As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be. Oh man, it's right. eight o'clock. And so that'll make it a. I don't need the spotlight. I shine just fine. Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I am a bitch. Brav Bros. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brav Bros, your favorite podcast from the bros for everybody, for whoever wants to listen. I am your co-host, Steel Russell, joined as always by the one and only Black Friday Magooder. What's up, dude? Gobble, gobble, bitches. <laughs> Turkey day's over, right into Christmas. It feels weird because it's only like the 24th or something. Yeah. But I feel like that just gives you an extra week of Christmas time, you know? So let me get this straight. You're anti-Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving, but the second it's over, now we're cool? Darn tootin'. That seems jaded. Why? Because what's the, the holiday's po- over. I understand that, but I put up my Christmas lights beforehand. You had a problem with it. Two weeks before. One week before. Six spre- weeks before. You were in Christmas mode right after Halloween. There's nothing wrong with being in Christmas mode. I'm confused, I guess. So the cutoff is literally Thanksgiving Day. So Black Friday, now it's Christmas season. Correct. Do you have B101 on to listen to Christmas tunes? I did, actually, on the way over here. There you go. Yeah. Um, This seems... I don't like this. I don't don't know what your problem is. I have a problem with you, honestly. What's your issue? I just fucking told you. Let's hash it out. I just did. I just did, and you're not saying anything different. Look, I I think that what I'm doing is the correct way. I honored the holiday of Thanksgiving until Thanksgiving was over, and now I'm on to Christmas season. Okay. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. I think that's pretty practical. Well, anyway, this is our second time recording today, because earlier this afternoon, we recorded an interview with one Craig Conover from Southern Charm, Winter House, Summer House. I'm sure there's other ones in there. A lot more. But it was a... Great interview. We had a blast with them. Uh, that interview will be out on Monday, so you'll be able to listen. You'll be able to watch on YouTube, but we had a blast with them. We got into some conspiracy theories. We broke out the tinfoil hats. We talked about Shep. We talked about Austin, Paige. You name it, we covered it. Yeah, so pretty much is like nobody's surprise. We are complete boys with Craig. Yep. As everybody predicted. He's a, he's a fellow Brav bro now. He even laughed at the idea of him being an original Brav bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, is the he's more of a Brav bro than we are, just because we're Bravo experts. According to some, we are Bravo experts. Some might even have gone far to say iconic. Not I. Somebody said iconic. Not I, but nope. somebody did. Nope. Honestly, somebody said iconic, and I could not keep a straight face. And Shooter got it tattooed on his butt cheek. I did. I'm more of a thigh tack kind of guy. I think. Really? Yeah. I've been thinking about getting a tattoo recently. Stop. Yeah. That's awesome. Thigh. What are you going to get? I don't know. Well, if you need... I've always said that it's got to be something that means something to it me. Does. You know, I'm not going to get some dumbass tattoo that means nothing to me. You're not going to get like a feather or a what tree feather line. I don't know. I've seen a lot of feathers. You know what you see a lot is the tree line. Why? Lots of people get trees. I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess if you work in the environment or something, maybe you. No, it's pretty much it. I, the ones you see a lot are clocks, trees. Arrows, quotes, and uh well, the funny thing is what I was thinking of was getting for the anime that I really liked. Oh, just really? like uh yeah, like one of the um the panels from the actual book. Okay. But the funny thing about that is all the ones that I saw online have like in Japanese, like whatever they're saying in it. So it could be mistaken as one of those fake Japanese quotes. 
Oh, like the ones that you see online where it means like General Sal's chicken or yes. something. Yes, and they're like, I want something that says honor because I live a life of honor, and it's in Japanese because they're honorable people or something. I watched this one video, and it was hilarious. And then, yeah, they broke it down further and said, oh, no, that's actually just says General Sal's. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I, it's a risk to get like a foreign language on your body. I will yes. say that. Unless you know the language, then you Unless do whatever you know the, the hell language. you want. Sure, absolutely. But for mine, because my quote on my rib cage is in Potawatomi, like yeah. it's the actual language. Yeah. I, this is how, after my disaster of a first tattoo, mm-hmm. this is how thorough I am. I emailed the head of language for the Potawatomi tribe for six months before this man got back to me. Refused to get the tattoo until he cleared what it said in perfect Potawatomi. Why didn't he? Get back to you quickly. Like, I don't you know. have to do research. I, no, I just think oh, okay. he was probably right. like some asshole wants to get a tattoo in our language. And I, I mean like, that, no. yeah. Objectively speaking, that is kind of an asshole move. It's but not, I appreciate the thoroughness. It's not because, like, I even like I broke it down for him. I was like, I'm part of the Higby tribe from the Potawatomi citizens of the Potawatomi Nation, located right. in Oakland. I was like, I'm really one of you. Please. I think your your specific situation is completely fine and completely warranted because it's just you being thorough and making sure you have the right thing. Yeah. The general idea of reaching out to a uh, pathologist, no, not path, speech, is pathology? Speech, patho- no, it's a... Linguistic. I took took linguistics in at Ohio State to forego taking a math class. That's how much they helped me since I was an athlete. You don't like math. Well, they're like, what are you good at? When I got there, you have an academic advisor, and you literally sit with this person as an athlete at Ohio State. They're like, so what are you good at? I'm like, math, or uh, sorry, English and history. Like, what are you bad at? I was like, math and science. Like, all right, cool. And they dumbed down your schedule so that you hit your credits without having to take a math or science class. That's really funny. I mean, if you've ever heard Steele try to go through how much of a percentage we are through a season, Uh, you'll understand. uh, It's just, that doesn't, (laughs) I'm like, math and, or damn it, history and English, like, great. Like, I'm really, really good. I was always great at English. I was in, like, honors, all that stuff. But math and science just doesn't doesn't click. Yeah, I feel like people's brains are wired that way. You're either really good at math and science or you're really good at history and English. Or you're just dumb. Or you're you're just dumb and not good at anything. (laughs) But you might be good at something. I don't know. Everyone's good at something. Those are the people that get General Sal's tattooed on their bodies. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. Let's go. But uh, it is our Friday episode. It's coming to you a little bit later because of the holiday. So we apologize, but not really because we were in uh, turkey hangovers or comas. But we are going to get to our rose and thorn. So why don't you start us off today there, Magoots? Oh, me? Why don't you start us off? Because I actually am still looking for my thorn. I had it and lost it. All right. No problem. I've got uh, two and they are from Apple. They're both podcast reviews. I'll start with my thorn. So this one comes from, uh, I'm not supposed to read the name, but it's a three star out of five. And the title alone is my thorn. And then I'll read it. But it's interesting question mark. Annoying question mark. (laughs) (laughs) It goes, I typically like the pod. It's good to get guys perspective on these shows. But lately with the Salt Lake recaps, you guys are so far up Monica's tail. It's making me crazy. I get that her mother is trash, but at least her mom has the excuse that Monica's dad left her high and dry while Monica was little. Now, allegedly, she's suing Laser Lab. Angie stole the ring, was going to turn state's evidence against JS, plus cheated on her hubs with her brother-in-law. She's fun TV, but stop riding her jock. She's not good people. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's fucking incredible. Actually, and we'll get to Salt Lake later, but I do actually have a different opinion of Monica. Yeah, no, and like, look, our opinions change throughout the season with most people. Like, it's always fluid around here, so... 
these are the funny ones to me when we get reviews where they like it's a differing opinion. Right. Like if you are a fan of the show, we talked about this with Craig earlier. If you're a fan of the show and you leave a less than five star review because you differ in opinions, but you still enjoy the show, yeah. you are effectively what's the word? Affecting us in a negative effectively way. Effectively affecting. You're effectively sure. affecting Which the is, show in a negative way. By the way, way. <laughs> E effectively and affecting us. You're That's a good effectively use, affecting you use us. both words. That's how you like me now. English. That English. There we go. Um, I've actually got a couple different ways on to go on this one. My first one's a thorn of a thorn. Wait a minute. I didn't I got rose. Am I jumping the gun? You're jumping my guns, bro. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll Get stay off, off your my gun, pal. Oh, hey now. So <laughs> my rose goes. My rose goes, and this is from AMHB 2010. And she says, Hubby not happy. Tried for years to get my husband hooked on Bravo so I'd have a guy's perspective on these shows. Well, I don't need it anymore after finding the bros. They are funny and their perspective is always interesting. Love their recaps and I love Steele's voice, which is a plus. <laughs> You're not laughing. Which is a plus because I know it irritates my husband every time I say it. <laughs> By the way, I gave Zach another chance after listening to the bros. Great follow up there. Wow, I see that's really funny because didn't we have one like two weeks that ago? Said I gave you guys another chance because of Zach. Wow. Yeah, full circle that. once again. But I love, I love the fact that she says to her husband, I love Steele's voice and it makes him mad. It would make me mad too. But do you see what you I mean did? I'm mad? I'm talking to your husband now. You see what you did? You refused to watch Bravo with her. You sent her our way. This is your fault. <laughs> gotta listen to Steele's voice. You listen to me now. I hope you listen to this. And hey. Watch Bravo with your wife. Then she won't listen to my voice as much. That's a good point. Well, she'll still listen. Let's not be wrong about that. Yeah, just don't listen. Maybe that guy will start to like your voice too. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah, why not? Just All right. Watch Bravo with your wife, you butthole. <laughs> All right. Let me go. I've got a lot of different paths here. I'm going to start with a thorn thorn, which a is thorn, a real thorn. thorn. Then we Somebody... got a rosy thorn? No. Uh, there is a rosy thorn somewhere in the middle. All right. Thorn thorn. Somebody on YouTube told me to stop saying that Juan and Robin's relationship is an arrangement. They did? No. Yeah, absolutely not. I won't. No, we can't make me. Why? What a weird. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. First of all, don't do that. Cause then he's, even if he's going to go way further the other way, go so far that yeah. way. You think I have any credibility? I'm going to, I will take this podcast down with me just as a bit. Just, a, just because he thinks it's funny. Yes. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> probably do that already. Um, <laughs> into a rosy thorn. There's a guy on uh, Twitter. His name's Lou Dog. Oh, I've seen Lou Dog. And Lou, Lou was going through it on Monday night for the Chiefs Eagles game. Yeah, see, Lou Dog has talked shit to us before about the yep. Braves and the Chiefs. Which, you know, no, I'm just going to come out and say it. Cheer for the same fucking city for the love of God, people. I don't understand. I, I never cities. get it. I guess, like, maybe if you live in a town that doesn't have pro sports you want to just kind of branch out but at least go to the same city yeah stay local that, like braves chiefs fans don't really make any sense to me unless you're just hey a front runner because the braves won the world series in 2018 and the chiefs have won two super bowls in the last five years that sounds like a front runner to me lou dog bandwagon but the rosy part of that is he was sending us all these chiefs gifts and talking about holding penalties and hoping that we're happy it made me happy well the funniest part is his tone Early on was like, ha, we got you. We got you again, Eagles. And then as the game started to turn, he started to keep posting. And it, it slowly got sad because the Chiefs lost. Birds 9-1. Suck it, Chiefs. Suck it, Chiefs. But my Rose Rose, 
So I went, yeah, you all went three. Thorn, Thorn, Rosy Thorn, Rose Rose. Rose Rose. Rock on. Uh, comes from Spicy Kitty 17. I thoroughly enjoyed your breakdown of the royal family being ugly to me. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that was a good one. Someone mentioned that they were a fan of the royal family, but they took it in stride when we were knocking the yeah, royal family. That's, but that's As the behavior that we want. Yeah. Yes. It not, it's none of this is that fucking serious. No, we're just <laughs> making fun of things, honestly. As long as we're not making fun of you directly, unless you're in the royal family. Like if, well, you know, Prince Andrew wants to come out and oh. say, hey, the bros shouldn't be talking about that. We've got a lot of ammo on that guy. Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, with that, let's talk about some Bravo. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. But we are starting off with... Miami. And we are back in the southernmost tip of the United States with our ladies of Miami for what's been a pretty solid season. Is it the southernmost tip of the United States? Continental. The continental U.S., yes. Okay, you're that guy. Key West, I that's think. That's really annoying. The point. That's, of... Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. But that's just, you're like the guy when it's like 1.30 in the morning. Actually, I think Hawaii is more southern than that, too. That's why I said I agreed with you, the continental U.S. This is what I'm saying. You're that guy when it's 1.30 in the morning and someone goes, oh, see you tomorrow. They're like, actually, that's today. That's you. No, I won't do that because that's I've got are. anxiety about staying up too late. And <laughs> that doesn't want to make me think about tomorrow. Actually, it's today. No, I'm more like, actually, Christmas season doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're that guy. Yeah. You're just, you're just that guy. Yeah. But anyway, we are back with the southernmost tip of the continental United States. There we go. Just the and tip. Just the tip. Uh, and we have a charity basketball game for Make-A-Wish, Larsa, and... Marcus are putting it on, but we start out with Nicole and Anthony, and they're taking a little basketball lesson, and the bank's open for Nicole. Oh, the bank's open. She's hitting bank shots all day, and they're talking about baby talk, baby number two, and there are moments with these two where I'm like, you are too normal for this crew. I fully understand that. It's not even just for this crew. It's just for like Bravo Bravo. TV in general. They get along too well. Their relationship is too strong. (laughs) <laughs> they have a good head on their shoulders. Like, even the approach of, like, the marriage and the wedding. They're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just knock baby number two out first. Then we can focus on – it's so pragmatic and, like, normal that I'm like, you guys – And, like, I fully believe that they agree with all of that thinking, too. Because it's one of those things that we see it all over the place, not just Bravo. Somebody is has a strong opinion about waiting to get married because they've got kids coming on, and the other one doesn't really agree, but they just kind of go along for mm-hmm. the ride. They are like mutually agreeing to everything. Yeah, it's they, insane. And there's no cracks anywhere. And the funny, I love these scenes though when you get a third party like the basketball instructor and they're making sex jokes. Oh, yeah. Just because I, I want to be in their head where like what they're thinking. It's like, huh, she handles balls all the time. And, uh-huh, and looks at the guy like, what do, you want him, us or? what do you want him to do there? Be like, hell yeah. And like give you knucks or like, she sure does. Yeah, I bet she does. Like, high five. I don't know. How do you react to that? I have no idea. Honestly, you're the personal trainer. You ever train couples and they start making some jokes? No. 
No, I haven't run into that yet. But I if hope I do, happens. I'll talk about it here with you. Thank God. <laughs> That's all we need. The next scene, we get uh, the opera lesson. And I got to give it to Julia. I appreciate the commitment to this because, first of all, the dude that was there for the lessons, fantastic. Like, that's what I What do you think about his suit? It's Miami, man. Yeah? Miami. Shorts? The short suit in Miami, I feel like, is a move. I think I... It's funny because I actually saw... Oh, we saw a guy in L.A. You may have not seen him. There was a guy who walked in with, like, the full... No, I saw it. He had a suit top with shorts on. shorts on. The shorts were short shorts. Oh, it was really weird. Um, maybe it's more of just like an LA Miami fat. If you're like a fashiony area, maybe it's like a New York City thing too. Yeah, it could be. I didn't. I didn't care for it. The, the reason I couldn't care for it was because it matched the suit top, so it looked like he went and took his suit pants somewhere and got them cut off and hemmed. Oh, uh, you don't I'm like not. it because it matched. Yeah. Oh, so you'd be cool if it was. If he had worn like normal like khaki shorts with it. But that's not the same thing. That's not a short suit. Question for the you. short suit is what bothered me. Yes, hypothetically speaking, if we had a show in New York City at the end of January next year, hypothetically speaking, wink, wink, twenty twenty four, yeah, twenty twenty four, end of January, like the last week of January, could hit. be a good good year for the Maybe boys somewhere like Times Square. You know, just don't just spitballing, yeah. just spitballing, just spitballing, just spitballing, throwing things out there. If we were to do that, would you wear a short suit with me? No, yeah. like, January it's cold as shit. Okay, that's fair. I guess. A fucking winter cyclone going to roll through there, and we're going to look like idiots with short suits on. Okay, All right. that's fair. But if it's not that, can we can we wear short suits at some point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After you as get your my legs are tan, you, you get know? your thigh tattoo. Yeah, a little thigh tat. A little thigh tat. I got to get the off. short, real short. Oh, you got to get on my level. I, I'm oh. seven inch inseam. I actually drop down an inch every summer. I <laughs> went to six inches this past summer, and I'm going to five next year. I've done five. It. Uh, it gets a little short. It, yeah. Five gets, when you're sitting down, especially, you gotta, yeah. it looks like you gotta wear some compression go. shorts. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I want the boys hanging out. Yeah. Nobody wants the boys hanging out. But the next scene, wow, what a tangent. We get Alexia and her boys. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate timing. But Alexia and her boys, and they're at Frankie's oxygen chamber therapy. And I love Frankie. He just seems like, he, every time I see him on the screen, he brightens up my day. Yeah, he uh, has such an incredible attitude. He really and does. The fact that he fell asleep in there while they just were chilling. doing it, just like just straight up, chilling. he's just relaxed and having a good time. But I feel like that goes to show us what we talk about with Alexia all the time. When we get her in these situations where it's her with her family, I'm not even putting Todd into this because Todd's an asshole. When Alexia is with her boys, she seems so much more relaxed. And right. they're relaxed around her. We get so much out of them. There's no chaotic energy that we're used to seeing with Alexia. It's just a nice scene. And you can tell Frankie is so relaxed that he just fell asleep. Yep. Like chose. He just feels so good and safe. He just fell asleep. That's great. Yeah. But I mean, I, those scenes, nothing of note really happened here. It's just I like to point him out because Alexia gets on my nerves. But it's a good reminder of how much she has to deal with. Yep. Like, I can't imagine. When they showed the pictures of Frankie as a kid you know, before the accident, mm-hmm. it's like, you forget that he hasn't always been this way. And I cannot imagine the strain and how difficult that is on the family overall and Alexia personally and her brother or sorry, her other son. Like I, I've, I've had my opinions on him just because he seems, you know, a little He's rough. He's not on the show enough for He's us to not... like really care about an opinion. And I don't want to just be negative for the sake of being. No. Negative, and I'm not, you know? that's more what I'm to my yeah. point is like, I know we did that I last have year. the negative, right? Like right. just, I guess seeing this, it's a reminder, like, this family's been through a shit ton, and 
you know, to be constantly reminded because you have to take Frankie to therapy. You got to help Frankie out. Like those reminders of what happened, it has to be really difficult. So it was good for me to see it, just a reminder. But I want to get to the Sprinter van. So they take a Sprinter van to the Make-A-Wish basketball charity thing, which immediately, anytime I hear Sprinter van, I'm like, it's going to turn bad. These never turn out well, no. right? For better or worse. I mean, it's good TV, but I don't know why. I'm anybody... in like a small confined space for a little too long. Or two hours. What do you I think? I don't even think it was two is? hours. No, it was. They said it was a two hour drive to the place. But what do you think the limit is for a non confrontational sprinter van, time wise? Seven minutes. <laughs> well, no, there were nine, like nine minutes. At nine minutes, somebody had to get off to go to the. Well, it was Marcus that actually had to get off to go to the bathroom. That's so insane to but, me. Uh, Adriana was already farting and things got weird within nine minutes. So I'm going to say seven minutes. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Seven minute ditch. I'm going to go eight. Okay. Eight minutes. But as you just said, they're on the bus and Adriana announces to the entire group, I had corn today, so I'm very flatulent. I didn't know corn made you fart. I don't think it does. I didn't think that it does. But she says that I had corn. I'm going to fart on the bus, which is gross. Like you shouldn't, you should never announce that. Don't do your best to hold it in. And if one squeaks out and you got to take it and like bite the bullet, be like, I'm so sorry, guys. I my stomach. And this is how you do it. If it squeaks out, you say, I'm so sorry. My stomach's been a little iffy. I apologize. But that was me. And that's or, parting etiquette by Steel Russell. Yeah. Or you just don't say anything and you look around and go, oh my God. <laughs> no, you don't do the smell to Delta thing. You got to keep your mouth shut. You just stare at the floor. Don't Until you. somebody accuses you and then you just kind of look around. And then you, you cause a huge scene. So yeah. you just, it's not me. But <laughs> I thought it was interesting that everybody on the bus is like, I'm not going to talk about Gertie's illness. And I'm not going to talk about Gertie's illness. And it's so uncomfortable knowing that everybody knows Gertie doesn't know that they know, mm-hmm. and Lars is sitting in the back like the evil mastermind, even though she's not, but she's told everybody. I, I can't get over how disgusting that is. She's told everybody, and you can tell she's not going to say a word about it. She already told everybody, and somebody else is going to end up spilling the beans, and it'll eventually get back to her. But this is the thing about Larsa. If you felt open enough to tell everybody about what's going on with Gertie behind her back after you were told not to... You should also feel open enough to announce it again on the van. That's a good point. It's Instead, she just sits there with a smirk on her face in the back of the van and doesn't say a word while everybody else is struggling with the idea that they're now in a van with Gertie, knowing what's going on, and nobody wants to speak up. Lars is not going to be the one to speak up because no. she just put these plans into motion, and I just cannot... Part of me can't wait to see what she does when she gets called out, but at the same time, I know I'm going to be so angry. She's going to flip it that like it's somehow not her fault. Now she's the victim. What do you want me to do? You didn't feel comfortable telling them, so I felt like I needed to because you need support. I she's going to gaslight Gertie, the person with cancer. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, to she's watch. terrible. But as they're in the bathroom, we had to go through two fucking episodes with Larson. I know she popped up in Beverly Hills. God. Damn it. But they are in the bathroom, and understandably so, people are talking shit about Adriana farting. And they're not even really talking shit. They're just highlighting what she said. Like, yeah, yeah, I can't believe she's on this bus farting. That's gross. Yeah. Anybody would do that. In front of her, behind closed doors, if you announce that to the group, you have put a target on your back that you're the farter of the group. People are going to say things because that's gross. And it's Marisol, too. And Marisol could have gone so many different ways with that because she fucking hates your guts. And all she said was, you're farting on the bus, which, which is, is what true. On the bus. So we get a confessional of her and she's like on like a mic on the outside of the scene. 
And she's so upset. Like, they're talking shit. They're talking behind my back again. And she gets on the bus with, like, a chip on her shoulder. Yep. And shit pops off because she has an attitude. By the way, I agree with Marisol. And I'd never thought I would say that. No. But I would do the same exact... The only difference is the minute she said it on the bus, I would be like, that's fucking disgusting. Don't do that. Yes. Go take an Uber. You're not sitting on the bus with us farting the whole time. That's, yeah, exactly. But... We need to discuss before we get into the full sprinter van, t- like the Todd talk and all that shit. We got poop talk again and pee talk and a reminder. And this is just proof. I called it three weeks ago. I said, Todd's got a pee fetish. Yep. And no kink shame. You know, live no your kink life. shame in here. Live your life. But she's like, she shows a, a picture of that dual toilet, which everyone's seen the meme. And she's like, I would love to get this because like, I love pooping and peeing in front of Todd. And That's Todd disgusting. loves it. It's foul. But like <clears throat> only furthering, there's, look, when it comes down to it, okay, when you really break this down, Alexia, you are confirming that your husband likes golden showers because there's now too much evidence. Yep. We have too much evidence on TV. Honestly, I'm moving past golden showers. I think there might be more uh, there. Uh, I don't want to say that one. A little poop play. Uh, nope, nope, nope. I'm sticking with the golden showers. Yeah. Because I can live, I can sleep at night with that one. I think that's the least of our worries right hey, now. Look, hey, hey. If Todd was in that sprinter van, he'd be sniffing around when he's on his farting. Ew, bro. <laughs> I like this van. Oh, uh, I hate it. I hate it Todd, so much. I thought you had a problem with Adriana. Love her now. <laughs> uh, what's that? <laughs> Gross. Anyway, we're talking about Todd and... The person in the group that was allegedly talking shit, it comes out that it was Adriana. Now, this is confusing because we thought that Adriana was lying about the when she was leaving the building. She's like, yeah, I asked Todd, you know, is it a problem with the marriage or whatever? You, you have time to get your marriage back on track. And he said, you hit it on the nose. Lisa confirms. Yep. So now we have confirmation that that actually transpired, which does make the comments weird that he's putting the blame on Adriana. Now it's confusing. I mean, bottom line, Todd sucks. But I'm confused. I'm super confused. And if you're going to suck and we're going to have to call out your behavior for sucking, at least give us something to point something out. I don't know where the hell to go with this. And I do think that Lisa could have spoken up a little bit more. But I feel like when it comes down to Adriana versus whether it's Marisol or Alexia, nobody ever wants to get into the middle of that. And I do understand that. Sure. Kind of want to steer clear. But you were there with Adriana. You can step up and say it. I mean, it was a Todd impression, right? It was. Or an expression is what she's... Did she say, I think she said impression. Todd impression. Yeah. yeah. No, she said... It, if she said impression, she meant expression. Yes, exactly. And Alexis I was wondering like, why I... know Todd's expressions. You don't know Todd's expressions. And, like, she gets pissed about it. That is a Todd expression. It is a Todd yeah. expression. And, like... But I think that Alexia is correct in saying, you're just jealous of what I have. And you point to material things. And you point to this. You point to that. Whatever. At the end of the day... Adriana is lonely. She is angry at her friends for having a life that she once had. And I think that it projects itself on her insecurities when she's talking to the rest of the group. And I think it's, it's not doing her any favors. Mm -hmm. Do I have a little bit of sympathy? Like the, the ever most slight amount, like an iota, like I feel bad slightly, but she puts herself in these situations. She cannot, figure out when to talk and when not to talk. Like she always yeah. picks the worst times to like take up a vendetta against somebody. And 90% of the time it's so unfounded and unnecessary. And then she wonders 
why the group turns on her. And then when she talks to somebody else that wasn't present, the story is always different than what actually happened. And that's what drives me crazy. Yeah, it drives me insane. And I, I, I agree to the extent of mostly it's just tough to watch people gang up on one person. Sure. However, Adriana puts herself in that position all the time. She did not need to come back into the bus, talk about people talking about her farting when you're the one who brought it up. That's what kind of kickstarted everything. Even what you're saying about Todd is true. You could keep your mouth shut because you know, one, nobody's going to step up to defend you. Lisa was there. She didn't say a word until she absolutely had to. And two, Marisol and Alexia get off on going after you. Yeah. Especially in some in an environment like this where everybody's just sitting on a sprinter bike. Don't give them ammo. Don't give them any ammo. Just keep your mouth shut. And she goes and immediately just starts crying to Julia every single time it happens because Julia's the only one who has compassion for her, which is okay because we saw that in the scene with the opera singer. Adriana was fine in that scene because her and Julia are actually friends. She wasn't that annoying. She's a pretty good piano player, it looks like. Yeah. So I, you can get that version of Adriana. Maybe the rest of them will kind of back off, but she sticks her foot in her mouth all the time and then says, woe is me. Like, you started it. You started it. And then talking to Julia, she changes the story entirely, says that Alexia was the one causing the scene, says that they're coming after her. She paints it like she's the victim again. It's like, mm -hmm. you incited this. This is your fault. And then takes it to the level of, we are not inviting Alexia or Marisol to Martina's like beat cancer party, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's like, look, you might not get along with them, but those guys do have a friendship with them. And this is about Martina. This is yep. about the fact that she beat two types of cancer. Two. Get off of, like, literally get off your high horse here. Like, I don't care if they hurt your fucking feelings. This is deeper than that. It's also not really your place. You should let Julia do that. If Julia feels compelled, to not invite them to the party because of what they did to your friend or to Adriana, then that's okay. Because you know what? That's Julia's choice. Yep. You don't get to dictate that by saying, well, I don't really want Marisol here. Okay, then have the party somewhere else. Correct. You offered to have the party here because you want to be in control. And for all the reasons the steel just said about talking about how Adriana is very lonely and she just wants things to do in her life. And I get all of that. But you can't put yourself in a position of power, if you will, just so you can say, oh, I don't want Alexia Marisol here. That's exactly what she did. And we can all see through that. Yep. And we get to the game. It went about as well as I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, well, that first guy had a pretty good jumper. I don't know who that was. The one dude was raining threes. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not talking about the rest of the play. Yeah, the rest they of the players were good. Play. I'm there's a reason about, why the housewives started on the bench. And there's a reason they only played a total of five minutes collectively yeah. and scored one point, which was Julia. Yeah. Actually. But. After the game, they get to the clubhouse and they're singing happy birthday to Alexia. It's so funny to me that Adriana like leaves the room. She's like got her back turned, like fixing her hair. Like I'm tired of this shit and whatever. She, I'm goes okay up with to, that. she goes up to Anthony and she's like, you have silent luxury. And I, I love Anthony's reactions because you can tell he's like, Jesus Christ, like I don't want to yeah. do this. And Shut up. He's like, now you're going to see loud luxury. And he's like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, like it's what? such an off-putting. He's like, I don't know. Like, I'm okay away. with Adriana's actions in the sense that she wanted to remove herself from Alexia's happy birthday thing. Because you know what? If I don't like somebody, yeah, I'm not going to go sing happy birthday to them and see them get a gift. But she wanted to come back in to prove her point that Alexia is with Todd so that she can get fancy things. Once you start preying on somebody else's downfall to like go into your theory while also trying to strike up a conversation with Anthony, who doesn't like Todd, but Anthony's a sensible enough guy that he's just going to steer clear of Todd. That's the thing. He'll he's be cordial with him and move on because he's a fucking normal person. And he got a nine minute apology video, so he's cool. Now. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> what was it originally? Was it six? 
I thought it was nine minutes. I I just hope it keeps going up. Let's just keep talking about <laughs> 20 it. Twenty minute apology minute. video. <laughs> but once you start recruiting people in to hate on somebody else, which is what Adriana does all the time, the only person who ever falls for it is Julia, and I feel bad about Julia because she's just a kind soul. Yeah. You can't go over to Anthony and try to pull him in. So you're going to be able to see this. This is my theory on what this is. Like but you he's not going to agree with you. You know what that turns into down the road. Adriano's gonna be like, I was talking to Anthony about the same thing in the clubhouse. He said yep. the same thing. He agreed with me. It's like, no, he didn't. He gave no. an awkward laugh. Look, I, I've I've said this before about a lot of people that I don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this for one time for people that I do like. Nicole and Anthony, get the fuck off the screen. Yeah, get away. Go from do these something people. else. Get off this TV <laughs> show. Get away from all of these people, or you guys are gonna be very sad. I agree. That's really funny. But I mean, other than that, like. The only thing that I know we're going to hear about, and as soon as it happened, I was like, fuck. When Adriana eats shit on the floor Mm -hmm. and falls, I was like, this is going to turn into a four-week-long injury. My wrist hurts. My ankle hurts. Kiki actually did sprain her ankle. Kiki, yeah. But Kiki's she was not, playing hard. She, she didn't she, wasn't complaining. Right. And like she's not one that's going to bring it up 15 fucking times. Adriana's going to be like, dude. even Marisol fucking bit it. And she got up. She's like, ow. Like, brushed it off. She talked about it at confession. She's like, yeah, I hit my head too, but, you know, whatever. We're going to hear about this injury. She's going to show so up. Long. In she'll a show up at the reunion with, like, a the, body injury report. The neck brace. Uh, the, yeah, with a neck brace <laughs> and a wheelchair, like Mike the Situation. And she's going to come in with a whole bodily injury report that she got from some doctor that she paid. That's and hand it over to Andy in some big bedazzled folder or whatever. Actually. I think that's what's going to happen. I think You guys were laughing at me falling on the court. This is what happened. I think that's a really good, really good presumption, assumption. What is the word? Uh, Neither of those. Prediction. Prediction. Words are hard. But that takes us on to Roslick. And uh, this was an interesting episode. And we're getting more Monica, a lot more Monica. And I'm curious how this is going to shift like our opinion on her. And obviously you're doing your best to live in a vacuum and keep the outside noise outside. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. My feelings towards Monica have changed. Okay. Um, and from this episode, adding into all of the other things that have popped off in the actual show so far. Okay. But I'm still getting to the same conclusion. What's that? That I don't really trust Monica and I think she's sneaky and I don't like her. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a, that's a, Pretty big shift. But let's start off with uh, Heather. She's FaceTiming her daughter, and she's talking about a luncheon that she wants to have. And this is post-book reading. So she wants to keep this. It's kind of a celebration of the book reading, I think, mm-hmm. is what she frames it as. And she wants to do it Mormon-themed. And all I can think about with Heather, honestly, and I'm sure it's a really difficult thing to come to terms with or to change how you live, she misses being a Mormon a lot. I think she does. The and community I community aspect. I think of it. she said that too. And I think that she's kind of conveyed that. And we talk about how Heather has these intentions, but she just goes about it the wrong way mm-hmm. all the time. But there are, we get bits and pieces of it when she talks to Lisa about Jack going on a mission trip. And you know that she's knowledgeable about how everything works. Sure. And a lot of the things that she talks about with the Mormon church, she says sort of happily. Yeah. Like she has good memories of being in the church. I think she feels so scorned because of how it all ended. Sure. 
But that's still, you know, her childhood. That's still what she was used to growing up. And when she looks back, she looks back fondly on most of it. I don't I, know if it's most of it. Maybe not most of it. Fondly on parts of it. Yeah. And I, I look, I think that a lot of it has to do with her being away from the church for a long enough time that she's, so, she's slowly starting to realize a lot of the aspects of the church are just not healthy. Yeah. And she's now thankful for that. Sure. But something like this where, you know, you're wearing a bonnet and churning milk into butter it's like a fun, playful thing. And maybe she did that when she was younger and she looks back on that fondly. So I think she misses the community of it all. That's I think that I she think misses too. being included in the things that her family and her friends are doing. But I don't think that she would change a thing. No, 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 no. I don't either. I just think it's interesting that everything has to be Mormon themed with her when she is the quote unquote bad Mormon. But we move on from there. We get Monica with her daughter and her daughter's going to prom. This scene to me was produced not by production but by monica yeah and i think that she told her daughter to say the thing about the photo albums i think that she had the photo albums at the ready to break them out and i think that it's interesting when you compare monica to linda and no i don't think that monica's as bad as linda however you're going to learn certain things from your parents you're going to learn how to pull on some heartstrings you're going to play it up for the show you're now playing the game but you're overdoing it especially given the things that are coming out now it calls into question a lot because you break out this photo album of you at the prom, you growing up, all that stuff, and you talk about how Linda ripped out the pages of your dad and got rid of everything and burned it, cut it up, whatever. Then, out of left field, you pull out this other photo. The sentiment is very sweet, sure, absolutely. But you pull out a photo album in which you have taken all of your daughter's baby pictures, put them in there, you and her, pictures of you younger, all that stuff, and then you took the time to add her biological father. Yes. Great. I understand what you're saying. Your biological father was kind of ripped out from under you. You weren't allowed to see the pictures of him. You don't know what he looks like, all those things. You don't want her to have to go through that same thing. That's fine. That's a sweet sentiment, like I said. However, is this the time and place to do that on national TV to put your daughter in the limelight to garner sympathy from us, the audience? I don't know. I think that what we're getting right now is just a late, sort of like a later scene of what we expected a newbie to do in the beginning. Sure. You know what I mean? Like with Angie's forced ass conversations with her kids mm -hmm. and with Sean at home that we pointed out over and over, we don't need this anymore because she sucks at it. Yeah. I don't think the Monica sucks at this. She I think doesn't. you can look at it two ways. I think that I'm not even saying that she's doing this to garner any sympathy. I feel like you either side with Monica on her family aspect or you don't. You either look at it like she's playing it up for the cameras and she's trying to get sympathy from the viewers with her situation with her mom, or you look at it and say, she has a fucked up situation pretty much across the board with all family members, mm -hmm. and she's just trying to do right by her daughter. I actually thought that this scene was kind of nice. This is not where I started to lose Monica. This So for me, both can be true. I think so. Okay, yeah. so like I'm not saying it's a bad scene. I'm not saying that it was inappropriate. I'm saying I do think she used it to her advantage. Yep. That does not mean it's not a touching scene. It does not mean that it affected her daughter in a positive way. That's where it's like this weird middle ground. Like, I yeah. get what you're doing. It's a sweet sentiment, like I've said 15 times. I get that part of it. I guess for me, it's just more so it's treading that line for me where it's like, all right, when it comes to this close personal stuff involving your children and having your kid on TV to discuss it and your kid get worked up to the point of tears – yeah, we want to see this stuff. Yeah, we want to peek behind the curtain of like what goes on in your house and see you be vulnerable. But for me, it treads the line of opportunistic and I don't love that. So that's why I'm right. like, 
I don't think that it was completely nefarious, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, was it the right time? Oh, you know what? I, I mean, I am, I was chalking it up originally to a, this is just a typical newbie housewife scene mm. where they're trying to show, okay, you know, this is my family life and I'm a really good mom. Here's a scene about me being a really good mom and being, you know, objective to everything that's happened in my child's life and showing you, <coughs> and showing you this is how close my daughter and I are and this is what we can share and this is really nice and this is how you can get to know me. However, usually we do get that in the first and second episode. I just thought, you know what, this is kind of late for something like that, but I guess it makes sense. She just never got around to doing it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of leaning the other way. I'm leaning on the side of why is this happening now? Why is she doing this now? And it could be a conscious effort, which we talk about all the time. Monica might understand how the season is going for her. And even though she is a newbie, she might already have that in the back of her mind saying, uh, maybe people aren't going to really love the whole me and my mom dynamic. Maybe they're not going to really love me going after Lisa and being very childish in my insults. Let me have this moment to show I am a really good mom. Well, if you I think it, it is a little way, strategic. Yeah. If you play it that way. Now she's hitting all the facets of being a housewife. She which is. is important. And also rewarded. Did you see the reunion seating chart? Oh, yeah. She's chair one. Well, so is Heather. So I think that's more recency bias for what's going on. For sure. It could be. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to put up a decent season to be chair one. That's all for I'm sure. saying. So yeah, I mean, it has. Like, look, you might hate her. You might think that we're stupid for talking about her the way we have up till this point. You cannot deny that she is pushing this show forward. She's very good, good for TV. She's great for TV. So moving on from that, we get Sean and Angie on a date night. Angie... If I could physically hand her an award for like most remarkable comeback in Housewives history, I would. She seems so more comfortable. She's so more comfortable. So I, I was I, I was <laughs> chewing. You ever chew on the inside of your cheek? Totally. Yeah, I was uh, doing that. She's so more comfortable than we've seen her in the past. <laughs> she's starting to open up. It doesn't seem forced anymore it's at times. Like she's she still has her moments. But overall, I think she's gotten past this awkward phase of trying to do too much. Right. And she's letting us in, which is all we needed. And Sean is doing nothing. Sean is a tough watch. He is a dud, but you know what? He fits right. It's so funny. He fits right in with the rest of the husbands, except now we're getting more out of Seth. Weird. Yeah, we are getting more out of Seth, but that's almost because of the podcast. So it's like forced. Hanging on by a thread. It's okay. Oh, I thought you were just saying that, but yeah, the podcast is aimed that. Nice. But we... (laughs) (laughs) But they're sitting down at dinner, and it is awkward as shit. And I don't think that that was production. I think they sat there in silence till the drinks came out. And we get a, a Mead Rare Plus order. We don't get those a lot. Uh, what plus. is – I was going to ask you. That means that Medium Rare Plus is like, I want it Medium Rare, but lean further on the rare side. Okay. I'd rather it more rare. And that's like me. an official – you can do that? Yeah, no, it's a thing. Okay. It's like, have you ever heard of like Blue Rare? Yeah. Yeah. So like it goes blue rare, rare, medium rare plus, medium rare, medium, medium okay. well, so on and so forth. But I'm gonna try that out next time. Yeah, go for it. But um next time I have you cook a steak for me. Yeah, exactly. But this is their first date in years, and the way that they're talking, and I think that she almost let it slip a couple of times. I don't think they've had sex in a couple of years. Uh yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out their dynamic. Honestly, I can't it's tell. Hard to pin down. Man. I was tr- I was thinking maybe Sean is kind of pissed off at Angie for being on this show, and he doesn't really want their lives under a microscope. But see if that's the case for me. Now I'm just jumping to the rumors again. I'm like, all right, well, do you want this? Yeah, to be but I think that's I think that's also why I, I I he doesn't totally want their life under a microscope because there is more there. He doesn't. I mean, one, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that wants to overly share anything. No, he doesn't. Just in general. But 
He like high fived him when he got in the house after being at the quote unquote salon and then left the dad and Angie to eat alone. Yeah, there's too much going on here to ignore to just chalk up as he's a boring dude. He does not want to share like his willingness to not share on camera is wild to watch. And it's not the typical, Okay, you just have no personality. It seems like there's way more there, whether he just hates Angie and doesn't like their life together. I think that's it. I don't know. I kind of got some of that, but that's the problem is I got a little bit of that. I got a little bit of he shutting down because he doesn't want to talk more so that there isn't more information that's coming out about him. And there's a little bit of maybe he's trying to hide the rumors. There's so many different facets to watching a fucking show like this. We have to watch these shows like this, but I can't put my thumb on it. I have no idea either. I had the same exact thought process. I will say, regardless of all that, Watching them have the conversation, Angie breaks down a little bit and she's crying. It's just like they're two ships passing in the night. They have their daughter. That schedule's crazy for them. You know, she's got her shit going on. He's got the salon and all that nonsense going on. So, yeah, their life, they have kind of grown apart and they're trying to discuss how to find a way back. And to Sean's credit in this moment, he's like, we need to make time. It's time we made time for us. Like, we need to refocus this. And could it be for the cameras? Maybe. But overall, to see them get to a point where they're at least both recognizing the elephant in the room like hey there's a disconnect here we need to figure out a way to navigate back to each other yeah or the sadder part of it maybe we've grown apart and maybe this isn't yeah it could be that but like why every time we've seen for you know the last year we've seen a lot of these types of scenes where it's we have. somebody not like a marriage is kind of maybe not falling apart, but obviously there's not a lot of intimacy going on there. Why does it always seem like the husband just doesn't give a fuck? Well, I don't know, but it could be a like, lot. Wouldn't of like you try to put yourself in that situation. Like there's no passion. There's so, nothing at all there that shows to me that these husbands are even trying to figure it out. They just seem like duds and they're completely done with it. They can't be bothered with their wives emotions in this moment. It's like this is a real fucking thing that's affecting your life. Show us a little something, dude. Don't just sit there with your arms crossed the entire time. Like Justin did it with Whitney. We saw it. And I love, look, I love Pavitt, but he did it with Jessel. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing there. Like they're not acknowledged. They're acknowledging the problem, but there's, it doesn't seem real to me. It just seems kind of fake. Like they don't give a shit. Do you want my actual theory? Sure. So I genuinely think that a lot of times when these shows start, or even if they're not on the show, when these relationships start, I think that a lot of these women started out as, you know, a housewife to right. a wealthier person. Okay. okay. I think along the road, especially being involved in Bravo and they're seeing other women start their businesses, they're starting podcasts, they're launching products, they're launching all these different things and they're all trying to be successful and stand on their own ground, which is amazing. And mm-hmm. a lot of them have been very successful at that and have launched some incredible businesses. I hate to give her any props, but look at Bethany Frankel with skinny girl margaritas. Like, yeah. This is a platform in which women can go on and make a name for themselves and start some pretty incredible businesses. And that's awesome. And I think that when we are able to check into these marriages and see what's going on further down the road, we're 5, 10, 15 years into these marriages, I think what we're seeing is these women becoming more independent. And I think we're seeing them have their own businesses, have their own lives. They're no longer leaning on their husband's wealth and trying to live off of them they want to stand alone and i think that's an incredible thing Mm -hmm. but i think that these husbands have a hard time processing that and i think that their defense mechanism is to shut down because i don't know this person right we see with whitney and justin whitney has two businesses now she's trying to do her own thing 
Justin's used to having the mom at home, the home cooked dinner, yeah. the wife on call. Now he's having a hard time transitioning into, okay, well, now we're on the same page here. We're on the same level. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this because this is not the person that I married. And like Whitney says, sometimes people grow apart. And I think that a lot of these husbands that have a lot of money, when they see their wives start to better themselves, I don't think that they're not rooting for them. I think it that- It feels the, like they're not rooting for them. I understand That's the that. Problem. And maybe not. But I think that when they see them come out the other side and they have their business, they have success, they have financial independence- I think they're left with this big question mark of like, who are you now? I don't know this person because I haven't taken the time to get to know you along this road yeah. that you've been on because you've been leaning on your friends and business partners or whatever. So now I'm at a point where it's like, what the fuck do I do? This isn't the person I married, which isn't a negative thing on their part because these women are improving themselves, but the men are left like with their thumb in their butt. Like, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Look at... Harry, do you think it's a generational thing, or do you think totally, it's a little bit of a absolutely. Mormon church no, thing? I think it's like, definitely a generational thing. Yeah, because that spans different franchises as well. I'm not just no, it does, yeah. On here, but you look in a, a different one, like a more positive one. Heather Dubrow and Terry, and Terry's obviously makes a ton of money from doing plastic surgery, but she's still able to focus on her own thing. And Terry's very supportive of her. Yeah, and you see their relationship flourishes. They yeah, are I think happy together. It's funny. I think it's just because we see so much of the other than we do of Terry. Sure. We see so much more of that. So it's just so hard to put my mind in that kind of thinking where it's like, you should be happy. You should be excited. You should be supportive. You should be ecstatic because it means, okay, you know what? It's not all on me. Like somebody like Justin, who was fucking unemployed because of his non-compete and he was excited to go back to work and he was just laying on the couch for like days on end. He should be excited that his wife is making money. Instead, he's like, I feel less than a man. That's got to be some like generational bullshit that I'll just probably never be able to understand. But I don't like it. But that's that, the problem. That's that's my theory on. I, I think it's a really good theory. I think it's a really good theory. But so, I'll tell you what, I don't like it. I don't. I, hey, I don't like it. I don't like it. Not, not for me. Look at me. I don't like it. But but the next thing I want to talk about, we get Angie and Whitney at dinner, and why I want to talk about this is because these two are going to connect on this because they're both in a similar spot. Yeah. As we've seen with Justin already, and we're going to get to the podcast shortly after this. There's a huge disconnect between these two. And we've talked about it in the past. We've heard Whitney talk about it. I actually appreciate her being so open with everything now because it's easier to decipher somebody that's kind of hard to understand a lot of the time. Yes, she is. So it's helpful that she's just talking about it. But they both resonate when Angie's like, yeah, we sat down at dinner and I didn't know what to say. And Whitney's just nodding. She's like, yep, the awkward silence. Yep, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I know what that's like. We saw that with Whitney and Justin sitting down. They didn't talk for the first 30 sec- thirty minutes because they were waiting on their drinks. Yeah, but we find out that for their anniversary, they went away together, Whitney and Justin. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it was so awkward while they got to the house or whatever. They literally had a conversation in which, should we continue this? Is this going to work? And that is a big bombshell because obviously we're thinking that at home. Right. Like, is this going to work out? Is it going to pan out? We don't know. But this is confirmation from her. And then she furthers it by saying it's hard being monogamous. And I'm like, whoa, we just touched on four different things. Yeah, this is all out. Yeah. Like, you're really in a tough place, especially if you're questioning if you can stay faithful. Mm -hmm. You're questioning if you should still do this. To me, honestly, and I don't root. I, I hope they can figure it out for the kids' sake, for their sake. I never root against the marriage. I think that's fucked up. To me, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, I mean, the writing's definitely on the wall. And this is, I appreciate who Whitney is this year because 
who knew going to therapy for your communication skills would help you be a better housewife for the viewers. Right. She's able to convey her actual feelings and what she's going through. And obviously, you know, it sucks, but it also does really help, especially for a housewife when you're going through something very serious like this, because one, it makes us, it helps us to understand where you're coming from, who you are and why you do the things that you do in the current season. But she, even in these situations, when she's talking to Angie, in the past, she wouldn't be able to know. She would ask a very dumb question that would probably come off as very rude. Yeah. Instead, she's already thought about this. And it is an eerily similar situation that her and Justin are going through. So she is actually a good point of contact for Angie. Yeah. They might have completely different viewpoints. They might end up in completely different situations with their marriage. But Whitney now, I feel like through her therapy, through talking to Justin, the fact that they're actually sitting down and discussing things it sounds like it's all kind of unraveling and she's yeah. now telling us like all of the, all of her thoughts. We're getting the whole, it's getting caboodle, but it's not. Know. Yeah. And it's not even in like the typical Whitney fashion where it's word vomit just coming out all no, at it's once. It's pretty sentient. It's pretty sentient. <laughs> that's and that's, that's salient. Salient. I think is the correct salient word. point. We're having yeah. a hard sentient. time with words. Why do we try these words when I we don't, don't know. know what they mean? Anyway, <laughs> I think that with Whitney, it's all just kind of completely coming out. And the fact that it's just so on point and she moves on to the next point and it's so like perfectly placed and again and again and again, it kind of blew me away. Yeah, same. Because we're one, we're not used to Whitney being that clear. Two, there's so much to unpack. Know, and man. it seems like she's unpacked a lot of it already, which is crazy to see too, because now we're seeing the aftermath of it all and we're understanding. And it seems like Whitney's kind of at peace with all of that too, which is even wilder. And sitting there with Angie, I felt a little bad because Angie's just trying to navigate her marriage and figure out, you know, it's been a while since we've had sex. We don't really get a whole lot of alone time. And Whitney's over there like, it's really hard to be monogamous. Yeah, I know. And we're like, fuck. I feel like Angie's just having a hard time right now. Like, she could be in a Pavit Jessel situation where it's like, I really love my husband. We're just having a hard time postpartum with the kids and, and everything at home. There's no hope. Yeah, Whitney's like, <laughs> honestly, they're not going to try anything anymore. It's really hard to be monogamous. I would just give up right now. Yeah. Like, fuck. No, Angie like, came here for yeah. support. Not that kind of advice. Yeah, not advice. But moving on, we get the podcast scene with Hanging by a Thread. We got Meredith, Seth, Justin, and Whitney are coming on to be guests. And I think it's hilarious. Anytime we get a scene with Meredith Marks, we have to brand. We have to show the brand. She puts out some cookies with the M on it. Like anybody's going to buy those. And her microphone, everything's stamped. It's always a brand. You got Seth answering the door in his podcast headphones. Uh, exactly. And, you know. I think here's I finally figured out why these two gross me out when they're like lovey dovey with each other. It's because they're PC about it. I <laughs> don't care for when people like edit dirty talk. I think it's grosser instead yeah. of just being gross. If you're gonna be gross, be gross, but don't say, Meredith, you're a dirty, stinky boy. And he's like, I am a dirty, stinky boy. I'm like, Yeah, hey, it, that's... it literally makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Like, yeah, just you say, like, Yeah, I'm a naughty little bitch or something like that is funny. But it's really funny when you bring in somebody like Whitney, too, and you start talking about where's the weirdest place that you guys have ever done the the dirty deed and it's like no, well, just fucking say that's sex that's not what they said please tell me what they where said where is the weirdest place you did whoopee don't do that God. just say fucked say banged are you say as turned on whoop. as I am right now yeah but I'm trying to calm down <laughs> <laughs> whoopee it's but that's crazy. but it's so funny you get somebody in the room like Whitney who's going to probably be a little graphic and probably be a little vulgar and 
you can see that they're a little uneasy, but they they look like fifth graders talking about sex, mm-hmm. and they're like anxious at the the prospect of hearing what Whitney's going to say. Don't ask the question. Don't ask the question. What is your podcast even about? Whoopee. I don't know. Whoopee, apparently. Whoopee, but <laughs> at least they finally hit record. No, but my favorite part is Whitney again. Why are we your first guests on a podcast called Hanging by a Thread? And Justin goes, every marriage is hanging by a thread when you really think about it. I'm like, you are the worst husband. (laughs) He honestly is the worst husband. You suck, bro. How is that your response? I think they both know that their marriage is over. They do too. And they've come to accept that. But that's what pisses me off about this scene because then when they get into it, they're talking. Like, oh, he always supports me. She always supports me. This, that, that. They're singing each other's praises. I'm like, you just so had a scene with Angie that monogamy is next to impossible. You yep. guys talked about getting a divorce already. And now you're going to sit there and like prop each other up. And yeah, obviously you're not going to go on a podcast with two other married people and drag your significant other. But at the same time, like the hypocrisy to me was really annoying. Yeah, it's incredibly annoying. But I think that Seth and Meredith knew exactly what they were doing. Oh, yeah. Let's have Whitney and Justin on because we know that their marriage is literally hanging by a thread. Look, Let's have them on and they can talk about it. This will get good numbers. They're just using their podcast to their advantage. But that's what Meredith's fucking storyline is so far this year. But the thing with her, dude, you can say a lot about Meredith. We do say a lot about Meredith. She's smart. She's very intelligent. She knows how to play the game her way. It's a very specific way she plays the game. She is. I just don't care for it. I don't either. It, yeah. it annoys me. It's not my favorite like gameplay approach. But at the same time, she tends to come out unscathed. And she uses these people like this. I think she does. But she's getting now to the point where people aren't trusting her. And oh, I think I that's agree. why we're not seeing her so much in these oh. situations. Because they don't trust that she's going to help them and actually advise in a situation. We're getting the pairing off of... Heather and Monica are over here, and then Heather and Lisa are over here, and then we've got Angie and Whitney going out, and Whitney and Heather hanging out. Like, there's never the one-on-one situation, and I guess we get one next week with Lisa and and um, Meredith, but there's never a Meredith one-on-one situation anymore because they don't feel comfortable talking to her yeah. because she shares their secrets with other people and holds on to them until she needs them, and everybody kind of figured that out. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying... I think she knows how to play the game, but I think she's in for a rude awakening. Okay. I get aboard. Yeah. I get aboard with that. Because if people aren't going to tell her anything, then there goes her entire MO. That's a good point. That's a good point. But we get to the Mormon party with the bonnets and the aprons. And um, Monica says hi to Lisa when she gets there. And Lisa just flat out ignores her, which is like, at, at the very least, on all Housewife franchises, people can say the worst things in the world to each other. When they enter the room, you at least get the fake, hey, or sometimes it's like the rude, like, oh my God, it's so great to see you. But like the flat out ignoring that everything she's doing right now is bugging me. It really is too. And that's what sucks about it. And I know we didn't really get to talk about the scene with Heather and Monica sitting down talking about how they're planning the trip and Monica agrees. Yeah. All right. We can squash the thing with Lisa so that we can go on the trip and we can have a good time. It says you need to apologize to Lisa. Yes. But Monica agreed. And Monica's like, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. Lisa has the sit down with Heather. Same type of thing, even though there's a little bit of pushback. So you know it's going to happen. And if you're Monica and you show up there, you understand. And even though we didn't see that, I'm assuming that Heather said, I'm going to go talk to Lisa too so that you guys can mutually agree to squash it and everything will be okay. Monica goes into this thinking, okay, Heather talked to Lisa. There was no issues there. So we're going to be able to squash it. I'll walk in and I'll say, hey, Lisa immediately shuts down. I hate that move. 
I do too. I can't stand that move because it's putting Heather in a shit position because she just tried to play Peacemaker and you're immediately throwing that away. Lisa doesn't care. Lisa doesn't care because you know what? And I'm so fucking excited for next week when Whitney calls Lisa out for only caring about herself, but Lisa only cares about herself. I agree. And you, this scene plays out. It's bizarre. And we get to see them do a bunch of Mormon stuff. And it's about what I pictured would be happening at a Mormon party, the yep. churning butter, the making, the, the creepy hanky dolls. But when they sit down at lunch, we do the who's on your wagon game, which mm-hmm. I, I, I always got to play the games. Why? But why do they always have to be the games that are going to erupt in a fight? So I you would say it's shady. It's shady, not reasonable. It is shady, not reasonable. Okay. Yes, correct. But they're sitting there and we do the, the who's you're going to kick off your wagon. And, and Lisa immediately goes after Monica and goes, I'd keep everyone who loves women. So bye, Monica. It's like, if you want to take a dig here, by all means, the, the setup is there. We're playing kick somebody off your wagon. You can kick her off your wagon. That's fine. We know you don't get along. Yep. Why? You do you not have, have to, to go any further. Anti-women. It's such a leap. It's such a goddamn leap. And it's like, now you're painting her as somebody that doesn't support women. That's anti-feminist. Like, it goes so far But if anything, you could do the same thing with Lisa, because guess what? Lisa was causing a ruckus during Whitney's thing last week, where where Whitney's kicking off a new business. You're supposed to be there supporting women. Correct. What did you do? You made it all about yourself, and then you walked away from Whitney without saying goodbye. What did Monica do? She's checked in, said it was a lovely day. You look really great. Thank you so much for having me. I'll see you later. You guys were in the same disagreement. Yes. One person thanked Whitney, said that she looked great and had a great time and wished her luck. Yes. Lisa made it all about herself and left. You're not supporting women, Lisa. Period. Sucks. Yeah, but that's... Anti-women Lisa. Let's start that one. Jesus, no. Um, (laughs) But she immediately starts going after Monica and saying, you called your mom... The Ted Bundy thing, keep... Oh my God! If again, it keeps coming back. The fact that you don't understand metaphors and analogies is not a reason to keep using the same ammo. You she doesn't even understand point. serial killers. She, she got the wrong one. No, she's like that's somebody who ate a bunch of people. He murdered them and then he ate them. And you called your mom that. First off, that's Jeffrey Dahmer. All right, if you're gonna play the serial killer game, yeah, get the serial killer right. Ted Bundy was the very charming. Very outgoing guy that would trick women into thinking that he liked them and get back to their place and murder them. His attractiveness is also overblown. I agree. I don't understand that. I people never, always say he's attractive. Yeah. You see a picture of him, you're like, eh. I watched the Bundy documentary and people are like, he was just, I think the. He's the, not even 70s attractive. I he's like, you know. That's such a funny term and you're tied. And I know you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. But no. Get your serial killer. If you're going to play the game, play it right. Yeah. But she's can't. I guess what bugs me about it so much is the lack of understanding of what that statement was from Monica originally. And this isn't even me getting on Monica's side defending her. I'm going to in this scene, but not because I don't think she's full of shit, just because this scene really sucked to watch. But as it starts to get more and more intense, and I appreciate Angie breaking a glass to get everybody's attention. She was trying to cheers. It wasn't working. And she just spikes the wine glass on the ground and everyone shuts up for two seconds. But the whole point of this is to invite them on this Bermuda trip. Yep. Right. And all of a sudden, as Lisa's spewing just as much bullshit at Monica, if not more, Heather's now turning. And this is the Heather I didn't want to see again. Mm-hmm. I figured we would. And here she is again. And I think that it's like ingrained in her that she needs to latch on to somebody. It was with Jen Shaw previously. Yep. Jen Shaw's gone. Who's the new HBIC? 
from an outsider perspective, it could be Lisa Barlow just because she's the cool kid in class. She's now cool with Lisa again, so they're trying to figure their shit out. She's not going to scorn Lisa. She immediately goes, like, making faces at Monica, that Monica's being crazy. She says, you're being crazy right now. It's like, look to your left. Lisa's being a fucking disaster. Yep. Tell her to shut up. She's being so rude. She's saying horrible things. And Monica's firing back. This is not a one-sided thing. This is both sides of the table. Tell them both to shut the fuck up. Agreed. And it doesn't make any logical sense because Heather's the one who started with the, we need to squash this so that we can have fun on the trip. I want Lisa to come on the trip. I want Monica to come on the trip. We need to make sure that you guys are good before we leave. You can't pick sides. No. Nothing more. There's no more new evidence that has popped up. Monica didn't say anything meaner than she's already said. Mm -mm. And she's only going back at Lisa because Lisa started it. If Lisa had just said, hey, originally, maybe things would have smoothed over. But no, she didn't. Lisa continued it. Obviously, it's a shady fucking game to play, but we see it on every show. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that. But of course, Lisa's going to say, I want Monica off. And you know what? If she was really going to squash it, she would say, maybe I would want Whitney off. Because Whitney's going to talk too much and I don't want, I, I want a little silence on my trip. Yeah. That would be funny. Maybe Whitney wouldn't think it was so funny, but the rest of us would understand. Instead, you took another dig at Monica, who you're supposed to be apologizing to. If I'm Heather, I'm pissed. I'm furious at Lisa. We had a discussion about you apologizing to Monica, Monica apologizing no, to no, you, no, that, that and we move on. It was never about Lisa apologizing. It was always about Monica apologizing. She's it's not bullshit. giving her the chance to apologize. No, she's not. But at the same time, they both... If anyone's apologizing, they're both apologizing to each other. They both have things yep. to atone for. Heather pulls Monica to the side to be like, hey, like, let's figure this out. I want this trip to work. You need to come with us, blah, blah, blah. Lisa comes over. It's a bullshit apology, but things are kind of squashed. And this is one of the things, you know, love or hate Monica. This is why I like Monica, because it didn't work. Right. She sits at the table, and she's still upset, and, like, she says some weird shit. But I get the point. Yeah. And the bottom line is i'm not going i'm not cool just because she came over there and gave me a half-assed whatever and then sits at the table and says we're fine monica apologized no she didn't you went over there to squash it that's what happened and then you come back to the table monica doesn't bite she says i'm not fucking going heather completely flips now she's team lisa fuck monica that's where heather's at again i don't care how you feel about monica the Heather wishy-washy picking one side because it's yep. with the cool kids and pick on the other person is my least favorite Heather. We saw it all last season. I was sick of it then. If this is the way Heather turns after such a great return to grace, I'm going to be so bummed. Yeah, it's going to be a huge bummer. I'm I'm upset with Monica for a different reason. You're going to let Lisa Barlow get the best of you. I know. Come on, yeah. man. Know, like dude. you had so much promise. You were supposed to be really good at this. I got kind of tired of like the teenage insults, sure. But you can't back down to Lisa Barlow. Oh, dude. Now you're giving her power, and we already don't like where she's going this season. Her head's getting way too big, and she just beat you. Yep. She just got you to the point where you said you're not going on the trip that you suggested, obviously with Heather in some sort of mutual agreement. But it was still still supposed to be a trip that maybe you could host a little bit get your feet wet in the hosting game as far as housewife goes, you back down immediately. And I don't think Lisa, yes, it was annoying as shit to watch. And it was hard to watch because Heather flipped, but from Lisa's perspective, she didn't say anything more than what she said in the last couple of weeks. Why is this enough to ruffle your feathers so much that you're now going to back down to Lisa? I don't want to see that because guess what? No one else is standing up to Lisa, mm -hmm. at least not right now. Next week, it looks like Whitney might. I'm okay with that because you know what? You can go insult Whitney. I don't think she's going to care if you no. insult her. Whitney seems to be in such a crazily good place. I'm in. I'm one good 
episode away from being Team Whitney Rose. I'm yeah, I'm already there. I'm this. I've, I'm I've been there all there. the way. I'm I'm like right here. I'm almost there. I've been but, there for different reasons, but now I'm actually there for she's doing a great job this season. She is, and I think the funniest thing in this scene, and then we're gonna go to Beverly Hills. This is how much of a pick me. I'm the coolest. I'm the smartest person. Lisa Barlow is. She knows they're going to Bermuda, mm-hmm. right? Because Heather has told her when they're playing the guessing game, pulling that stupid shit out of that little jar, trying to figure out where they're going. Heather's like, what beach is that pink sand? And Lisa's like, Bermuda. You know you're going to Bermuda. Keep your mouth shut. Shut up. You don't sound smart. You don't sound But she took the opportunity to sound, to sound smart, smart and intelligent. Which is hilarious. Because, because it's dumb. Guess what? We all know that you knew about this beforehand. Uh, so the viewers don't think you're smart. The minute they think you're an that. asshole. I was like, of course you did that. Yep. Of course you couldn't just let it go. You had to, to be, be the fair, one though, figured out. That, I mean, I was getting kind of tired of them guessing wrong anyway. Yeah, totally. I'm not. kind of stupid. So I'm happy it was over. But, but not by that means. No. Not yeah. because she's like, I know where Pink Sand is. No, you don't. You, you just don't. know that you're going to Bermuda. You don't. How annoying. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. And last but not least, we are in Beverly Hills. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Hey. I was done with it. I didn't want to keep going. Living in the I didn't want to do the voice. Oh, yeah, you can go there. Yeah. I was trying to. I, I thought you were going to do the high pitch. Like, look at me. That's in the song? Yeah, dude. What part? Right after That's Where I Want to Be. Oh, yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Okay. I did it for you. Oh, right, there you go. You're welcome. I mean, I also did it when I told you what it was. So yeah, I ended up I, doing it anyway. I tricked you into doing it. Okay. You're right. Yeah, you did trick me. I Meredith Marks, too. Don't trick me. <laughs> I don't like being tricked. <laughs> Let's talk about the hubspin. The hubspins. What are we talking about? Beverly Hills. Hills. Hello. We start out, we get the continuation of Sutton and Kyle. And to sum it up, no, Sutton does not seem okay in this scene. But for me, I didn't appreciate Kyle's approach either. We're going to get further into it later on when they talk again. But uh, we get a visit from Erica's mom. I didn't know about Erica's mom, so it's interesting now it plays in, and I wonder if that's because all of the other shit's out of the way with Tom, and now she's like, all right, well, time for new storylines. Let me introduce my mom to the show. Maybe. Um, I mean, she says that her mom comes out every year. Once a year. To visit for a few days. They are, it seems like, the same type of person. (laughs) They seem like the same person. Which is very hard to stay with the same person for four or five days, because I understand you're going to get... To a point where you want to butt some heads. Yeah, and I get it. And, like, they're only 18 years apart, so that has to be an interesting dynamic as well. Like, she says, you know, we're, we were more friends than we were parent-daughter. Like, she would go clubbing with them when she yeah. was, like, 15. You know, whatever. We're not going to dive into Kind of funny. Yeah, we're not going to dive into the dynamics of their relationship unless we have a reason to do so. But 
the first thing I really want to talk about, we get Garcelle with Jade, um, and they are discussing the Jax conversation that we saw on the beach. And clearly, and I knew it would come back up again, but this is something that's clearly affecting Garcelle, and understandably so. And I'm glad that Jade at least is seemingly the exact opposite of Jax. Like he's just chilling, cooking steak, and he loves his mom and like whatever. Mm-hmm. He just all he wants in life is for his girlfriend to sleep over. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, dude. What a ridiculous request, yeah. by the way. Well, at least Ashley was allowed to go to the premiere. That was cool. Well, I think, of course, she should be allowed. To. I think Garcelle was excited at the premise of like hanging out with her. Hey, look, he's just trying to push some boundaries. It's really funny to see the two brothers going after it, where you've got Jax just kind of seeming like an adult, yeah, approaching things from the emotional intelligence of somebody that seems much older than even me. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, if that was Jax asking, I feel like he'd be like. Uh, so my girlfriend's going to sleep over. Yes. Um, we're going to stay. I'm going to need you out of the house for a few hours. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do our own thing. So I'm going to need you to go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and Jade's like a kid. He's like, can't you sleep over? (laughs) Like, and we find out that she's doing a screening for her movie, Black Girl Missing. She's an executive producer on it. And it's, you know, as we always say, and we sing ourselves praises, especially when it comes to her professional life, like she's killing it. So like, this is a cool thing for her, but we get to Crystal and we've been wanting more of Crystal this season. So we get her and hip hop Rob and a little bit more in depth on the Jeff scenario with his ex fiance. Yes. Jeff is back in China and he's having lunch with Vivi, I believe is her name, um, in Shanghai. And I got to say, Rob's candidness. Love it. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy it. This is a different type of husband on TV. A different husband. Husband. <laughs> he, see, obviously, we know that their relationship's really good, but we now find out that Rob and Jeff are also very close. Yes. And they, they share together. a lot. They travel together, and he has a bit of insight into what's going on with Jeff and Vivi and how he feels about it. It was heartbreaking to watch. I know that we watched uh, the first scene where they sat down at lunch, and we got a little bit of a glimpse into what happened with Jeff and his ex-fiance and why she wasn't able to come to America. While we still don't really have all the details there, you get the emotional dynamic of the whole thing and where Jeff currently is. And I get it. I It does get me to a point where I watch Crystal seemingly be a mother to Jeff. More or less, yeah. And yeah. she just wants what's best for him. She wants to protect him. But that being said, like imposes her will a little. Yeah, but that that, all that says to me, because I know Crystal is a good person and she wants what's best for her brother. It says that there's way more to this story than what we're getting. I think so. And I think Crystal knows more. But at the same time, Jeff is also very close to Rob and Rob is saying, let him go do this. He needs to sit down and talk to her. He's going to be an emotional mess right now. Maybe we don't need to FaceTime him, but, you know, do what you're going to have to do. I didn't think that was the appropriate time for FaceTime. No, I didn't think that was an appropriate time for a FaceTime. But again, heartbreaking to watch because he's going to see her for the first time since that happened. And he's already crying when the FaceTime is answered. And I think the interesting thing to me here is one. I appreciate that Crystal's able to hear criticisms from Rob yes. and take them in stride and also like actually hear him. Like and also that. say who fucking asked you. Yeah. But in like, you know, a, which was a serious statement. Yes. Yeah. But it's also like they respect each other enough to be like, hey, this is what I think. And right. Crystal respects him enough to hear it. Maybe not love it. But and Rob's got a, a good point. He's like, Jeff wants to stand alone. He wants to live his own life, make his own decisions, whatever. And Crystal's like, you know, I'm very protective of him. And she also alludes to it being a cultural thing and which is you know fine and i get where she's coming from i understand the premise of it but when you hear the story 
it's hard not to place blame here. And not obviously, I'm not saying that Crystal flat out was the reason that they broke off the engagement. Right. But the overwhelming pressure to get back to the States, get back to the States and leave your fiance in China, I can't imagine the strain that puts on both of their relationship. The good thing here, when the FaceTime ends, Jeff's like, I love you both. He clearly leans on these two yes. a lot. And like you said, I do think it's more of a, I don't want to say mother, son, father, son with Rob and Crystal, but it's definitely the big brother, big sister aspect, if not yeah. father, whatever. But I think it's going to be interesting to see it play out, just how this is going to affect their relationship with Jeff. Right. This conversation is going to go with Vivi. We love Jeff on this show. Yeah, we definitely That's love great. Jeff. So like, I want the best for him too. But I think that it's going to be interesting to watch how it affects Crystal. Like, is she going to be able to let him go and kind of live his own life, make his own choices for better or worse? And again, I think the big takeaway for me, the dynamic that this family has overall yeah. is good. It's, a, it's, it's, it's definitely good. good. It's just we're seeing like two different thought processes here. Totally. Where it seems, and that's why I kind of hint at the fact that there's got to be a little bit more to the relationship that we're not getting to maybe why it ended overall. Maybe it wasn't just the fact that Crystal was pressuring Jeff to get back to the States and said, pretty much leave your fiance behind. You need to get here. I don't care about her. Right. There could be way more there because one, I, I trust Crystal as a person. So if she has that kind of reasoning, there's got to be a reason why she's doing it. Rob has a different thought process of you need to let Jeff live his own life and right. be his own man. And yes, maybe it's not what's best for him to go see Vivi right now. Maybe it's not what's best for him to potentially spark another relationship with her and try to figure it out maybe again. Maybe it is. But maybe it is. And we're not going to know that until he goes and does that himself. We can't make the decision for him. I agree with both lines of thinking. I do. That's I, the thing. I also appreciate that at the end of the FaceTime, Chris is like, I feel bad. Like I, yes. I do feel bad. So she is taking accountability in this whole thing. And at the end of the day, I do believe her and Rob want what's best for Jeff and what Jeff wants. So I think yeah. this is going to be interesting to watch. Play. Well, I really appreciate the fact that after the FaceTime, even though clearly they disagree on what's best for Jeff they're cool. and what he should do, they're still cool. They're totally cool. Love to see that that's not driving a wedge in between their relationship. Love a healthy marriage around here. But we get to Sutton and Jennifer Tilly. I'm glad I she can keep coming back. Bring me more Jennifer oh, yeah. Tilly. She's great. Need more Tilly. Need more Tilly. But they are going to see Santos, who we heard all about in our interview with Sutton. If you haven't seen it yet, go take a take a watch, take a listen. But they get to the Kyle conversation. And this one was easier for me to break down finally as far as why everyone's so concerned about the exercising and the not drinking and the extremes of everything. Because it just highlights the changes, right? Mm -hmm. like we're getting a lot of very drastic changes. For me, I was putting too much emphasis on the fact, and it's because it's so close to home, but I was putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that people have a problem with her not drinking. Yeah. And that made me mad. So I wasn't able to see through like what the point of it was. This was able, or I was able to see through it here where it's like, okay, the point being you're making these major changes in your life all at once. And that alludes to one thing and one thing only. You're going through something. Something's happening. You're changing some phase in your life. And there's a reason for that. There's a caveat here that we do not know. What we do know, there's been rumor after rumor in the press about Mo. We do know you haven't been wearing your wedding band. There's questions here. And you're in the limelight. You're going to have to answer these questions. And I'm just, I'm curious how this is going to continue to play out. And yeah. 
everything kind of points to the fact that it seems like there's more going on with Sutton that she's kind of deflecting and going at Kyle for. Agreed. Because if you are a friend of Kyle's and you see all of these things, and we don't really get that soft of a touch from really any of the women on this show. No, they're not the... the, the... Like even Dorit, who's very close to the situation, Dorit also has something going on with PK. Yeah, that's a good So point. there's just things all over the place. I would have liked it a little bit better if instead of Sutton playing the defensive and doing the name them, name them, name them over and over again, you know for a fact, and you tell us in your confessional, and you tell Kyle that clearly something's going on with Kyle, apply a little bit of a softer touch and maybe you'll actually get further but and I, find out. I, I know that Kyle's going to deny pretty much everything until she's blue in the face. Maybe eventually we're going to get a little bit more, but that's not the right way to go about it. You can't be an asshole and just be on the defensive the whole time and yell back at Kyle. You should sit there and say, Kyle, you're acting erratic right now. What the hell's going on with you? Tell me what's going on with you. Don't go at her like that the same way that she's going at you. You're not going to get anywhere. It's just uncomfortable to watch. I agree. And I think that you said it perfectly because all of these women have shit going on behind the scenes. Yeah. They will all be defensive. Right. Because they're dealing with their own shit. They don't want anybody to unearth what they're going through because they don't want to talk about it clearly. Mm -hmm. So everyone plays defense. Sutton's clearly got something going on. She's yeah. playing defense. She's being a little bit erratic and she's being a, coming on too strong. But that the other thing is she's sitting down with her best friend, Jennifer Tilly. I agree. But it like, didn't I, seem like there's anything going on. Who are you going to tell? I, I mean, man. I think there's something going on, but you're sitting with Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer's sitting there really just listening because she's being a good friend. Yeah, totally. I need Sutton to say something to her. If you are going through something, you should be confiding in Jennifer. Right, you shouldn't maybe, be just focusing on just Kyle. That's my point. Defensive. No yeah. one's going to take that I opportunity know. to just flat out say it. And I want to move on to, you know, get Dorit waiting for Sutton. They're going to Garcelle's screening. And we had previously some FaceTimes and some conversations between Sutton and Garcelle, Kyle and Dorit. And all it is is pitting the other one against the other one. Yeah. And Sutton's FaceTime. It's Kyle's not listening. Kyle is changing everything. What's going on with Kyle on Kyle and Dorit's FaceTime? It's all about how crazy Sutton was the other night. I, I don't know what's going on with her and like the elevator thing and blah, blah, blah. But we get to... Dorit waiting because Sutton's got, <laughs> Sutton's the only person that I know that when she wants to level up her social media, hires a full-time photographer yeah. to just follow her around and take pictures. I think we should do that. No, we can't afford that. <laughs> like, no shot. Let's start a GoFundMe. GoFundMe for a full-time photographer for the yep. Rob Bro. I, I feel bad for whoever has to get that job anyway. I know. You don't want to hang out with us 24-7. No. I don't want you to hang out with me 24-7, actually. Yeah, I like she, my alone time. Well, you're the one that... Never mind. I'm not doing this. I didn't say 24-7. I just said sometimes, you know? Sometimes. Well, they're full-time. Just enough for us to be late to parties. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Fashionably late. That's but... taken it to another level. <laughs> but on their ride there, and I don't ever want to take away from anybody's trauma... Because your trauma is your trauma. But I've got questions. Dorit's upset because she finds out there's going to be 100 people at this screening. 100 people that Garcelle knows. Mm -hmm. She knows these people. She invited them to this thing. This is not a bunch of randoms. Dorit has an issue with that because she has PTSD from everything that happened. Okay. Do you think that's why she didn't press Sutton? Because we got that conversation with uh, Dorit and Kyle talking about Sutton obviously being in a weird place. In the past, we would see Dorit immediately open up with that. I disagree. I think she would have opened up with that if there was another person in the car. I think one-on-one, -on -one, no. Okay. I think one-on-one, -on -one, no. All right, I'm uh, good with that. Yeah. My follow-up, you weren't uncomfortable going to Magic Mike? 
with a hundred strangers. You, yeah, you weren't uncomfortable being in Las Vegas. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like Good the point. the timing in which she chooses to break this out. I, I'm again, if she's going through she it. She did this. When did she? She did it for Sutton's store opening last that year. Too. That was another thing. It seems like it's more about paparazzi than anything but i don't know man it's just like for me to pick I, I can't i have no idea when it's affecting you is weird i'm trying to so. figure out why these certain situations where photos are being taken and it's an opening for something those are the things that seem to affect her the most why but when they get there like someone makes a noise and she's like wow yeah come on man there's no like you weren't doing that when you got some dude swinging his dick around the stage like right behind you and then some random bumps into you like a good point paparazzi out in la start swinging your dicks around maybe you can get some pictures of treat no magic mike dude i know she's afraid of the paparazzi in just la i don't know <laughs> it's just i i had to call attention to it I, again i don't want to take away from what she's going through it's just no. interesting the timing in which she has a problem with crowds i agree but i thought this was really cool of jacks to and this is the most mature kid i've ever seen in my life honestly but he is talking to crystal and he's like i want to go clear the air with erica like, I'm just going to go. You want to come with me? 15 year old. 15 years old and more emotionally mature than you and I. But he takes the time to go over to Erica and just clear the air. Say, hey, we're cool. Erica apologizes to him. He accepts the apology, smooths everything over. Garcelle has an issue with the fact that Erica didn't go over there first. And for me, I I've got myself disagree. defending, dude. I'm defending Erica, and I, I hate who I am now. Me too, because in that regard, two different moments, too. With Well, going back to the scene with her mom, when her mom kept pressing her about questions about Tom. Yeah. And then she says, you need to just leave it, and you need to heal. Shut the fuck up, then. Yes. Yeah, You're the one who's up. asking questions. Right. Don't bring it up. Leave Erica. Leave my girl, Erica Jane, alone. Whoa. You know? Wow. But then the same thing happens with Garcelle. Erica didn't have a chance to go over to Jack's. She just got there. She just got there. As soon as she yeah. got there, Jack's, you should, if anything more, you should be applauding Jack's even more because as soon as Erica showed up, he had the thought, I want to go over and clear the air right away, brings Crystal, an ally, to go do that. Not to mention, you just told the whole group, you don't trust these women yeah. around your kids. So yeah, that, really, I, that's a little weird for me too. I don't like that either. It's a stretch, right? That was yeah. a stretch for her to be like, she should have done it first. It's like, can't you just be happy that it happened? Yeah. And can't you be proud just of your be son? Proud of your, I mean, she was she proud was, of her son. But just be proud of him. Don't, yes. You don't have to take that opportunity to throw a dig at Erica because I don't think it was warranted there. Because also Erica was impressed by the the fact that he came over right away and sings and his praises and confessional yes what a wonderful kid great job garcelle go to cut to garcelle's confession eh, really wish erica did it first like dude come on yeah come on but we get to the screening and denise richard shows up i found out i was reading uh an article nobody knew she was going she just showed up production didn't know garcelle, garcelle invited, her. invited garcelle her yeah invited her. the crew had no clue she was walking in i don't uh I read that. I don't know. Just, the timing is I'm a little suspicious. Saying. I'm just saying. Because th that's something that production would do. Okay, Denise, we're going to hold you for a few minutes, let everybody get seated, and then we're going to send you out. I agree, but I could also see, because I've seen scenes from this season of yeah. Denise, and she is erratic. She is, like, she slurring is. her words. Like, so could I see her just showing up? Yeah, I really could. But regardless... She shows up, and then we get a quick scene of Kyle and Sutton sitting down. And the minute they sit together, this is my issue with Kyle. And I agree with Sutton here when Sutton's like, this friendship's a farce. You don't respect me. Treat me like a little sister. And instead of Kyle being like, I don't treat you like a little sister, period. Mm -hmm. I don't treat you like a little sister. Don't flatter yourself. Every time that these two have a conversation, Kyle has to take it upon herself to belittle Sutton. Yep. Even if Sutton's wrong, 
we can agree. Sutton was acting a little crazy the other night. Yeah, sure. But if you truly are her friend, as you claim to be, how come every time you guys sit down to have a heart to heart, you have a little stank in your voice? Why can you not just hear her out and give her your honest feedback as her friend? Why do you always have to take it to a level of this person is less intelligent than I am? This person doesn't understand things the way that I do. I don't have the time of day for your bullshit. Why can't you just figure it out? Why do you have to be the way that you are? Yeah. Because that's your friend, man. If that's your friend, you sit there and try to figure out what's going on. If you're nervous or afraid of what you saw the other night, hey, I'm genuinely worried about you. You just acted a little bit off. You were just a little bit weird. I don't get it. Are you okay? Can we that's talk about it? the same thing that I was just talking about that Sutton could have done with Kyle. I agree, but in Neither this scene- Neither of them did it. In this scene, Sutton is doing that. Sutton's like, hey, I want to talk to you about things. Like, I have questions- What's going on with you? I it think doesn't you can't, take it's, a step it's too up. little too late, though. You can't start off no, like that and then change your tune. I agree. But for me, if you are truly friends, all right, people I don't have think they are. That, they're not. I think Sutton even said that, right? I don't think she that Kyle's a good a, friend. Right. But I don't think that that's because of Sutton. No. I think that's Kyle's fault because of what I just said. I think that Kyle treats her a certain way that she's lesser than yeah. on an intelligence scale. Well, we saw it with the Diana Jenkins thing last year. We exactly. saw it up in Aspen. Nobody ever defended Sutton except for Garcelle. Now we're starting to see that people are getting a little bit closer. And we're even seeing Dorit be closer to Sutton, which is kind of weird. Kyle's not doing that. Kyle has always kind of steadfast in this relationship where she is belittling Sutton. That's she always does it in a way that it's like a a big sister that's looking at Sutton saying, you don't know how the world works. I'm going to show you how the world works in a very condescending way. Yeah, That's how Kyle talks to Sutton. But it doesn't excuse either's behavior. They're both just, neither of them is going to get anywhere in this conversation. I don't know who can sit down because I don't think, I think Dorit's too afraid to sit down with Kyle and say, what the hell's going on with you? I don't know what's going on I with you, and there's know. so many things going on. And maybe it's because you can chalk it up for Dorit and PK being in a weird spot, so maybe Dorit doesn't feel appropriate doing that. I think Garcelle's eventually going to do it, but Garcelle's on this weird kick of, I don't trust you with my children. Right. So, so I don't. the timing's just not adding up right now for me, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't care for it. It's just, it's frustrating, honestly, to watch. And I just... At the end of the day, these two are not friends. They shouldn't be friends. It's yeah. not working. And for Sutton, her point saying, if we were friends, you would confide in me. And this is what light bulb moment me mm -hmm. because that's when I realized, all right, clearly Kyle's going through a lot and we see it in the media. We see it everywhere. Her and Mauricio have split, all that stuff. She's not talking to a soul about it. Yeah. She's keeping everything to herself and lover or hater. I don't care how you feel about Kyle. Anybody that's stuck in that spot, that sucks. Like she's clearly between a rock and a hard place, doesn't know how to deal with it. She's turning to not drinking. She's turning to not exer or exercising all the time. She's turning to all of these extremes, Morgan Wade, all of these new things in her life, which in moderation, great. Yeah. <clears throat> However, when you find out and like, I guess by Sutton saying it flat out, like, she's not confiding in me. I'm like, wow, she's not talking to anyone. Yeah. So to deal with this shit on your own, having that constant battle in your head, trying to take care of yourself. And I've been there where you get stuck in this moment where you're like, I don't need anybody else. I can figure this out on my own. I don't trust anybody else. It's a shitty spot to be in because that's false. Nobody can do it on their own. Everybody needs a supporting hand. So in this moment, I felt for Kyle because I know she's going through a lot. I don't like how she treats Sutton and other people in general. I don't like that she seems to think she's better than other people a lot of the time. However, knowing what she's going through, knowing what she's dealing with, knowing that she has no allies, she does, but she refuses to see them. 
it's just this whole season where we can usually pinpoint the direction, we can usually pinpoint who we're going to like, where it's going to go, at least a little bit. Right. I'm lost. I, I'm really lost, and we're in a weird position, too, because if you just heard that a friend was going through something and they were lashing out in the way that Kyle is and the, their erratic behavior keeps popping up, you're going to feel really bad yeah. because you know something deeper is going on. But we're watching reality TV. We are. And she's not doing the things that we want her to do. <laughs> and it's very frustrating to watch. I just want you to give us some straight answers. I want you to stop treating your friends like shit because you're going through something bad. Everything that she's doing, it's excusable. Yeah. It really is. Like if you're thinking about it in a pragmatic way, what she's doing is a cry for help. A lot of the things that she's doing, she has nobody to confide in and she's not doing herself any favors. But I fully understand why I she's in too. a shitty position. But again, I guess that's the hard part is you understand why. Yeah, but, but this like, is reality TV and it's frustrating the hell out of me because we just want answers. I just want you to open up to one person. I don't care who it is. It would help you so much. I know. And for that person to assumingly be Morgan Wade, why? Why? He doesn't know you. No, just because you stalked her on Instagram, like right. that doesn't make any you sense need to a me. Friend that like will tell it's you just, it's more and more behavior. More and more behavior that I just don't understand. And again, I'm saying that I can excuse it because of what she's going through, but she's not giving us anything. And it's got to be really frustrating because I want to support her and I want her to feel good and I want her to be happy, but she's not doing herself any favors. And she's leaving like a wrecking crew behind her mm -hmm. while she's going through all of this. And it's really hard to defend her. You can support without defending, I think. I agree I with think that. I think at the end Look. of the day, you can support without defending. So that's kind of where I am with Kyle. I support her and I want her to be happy, but I'm not going to defend her because all of her actions are really pissing me off. No, I agree. And I'm not a Kyle fan. I'm not even saying that. It's, what is that? What do you mean? I don't like You're the original Kyle fan. Yeah. And then last year I was off that bandwagon real quick because she was such an asshole. Well, the bandwagon stuck, bud, because you were driving the bus and that's now fine. nobody's driving it. Good. Leave it there. That's not my point. Who would you throw off your bandwagon? That's actually a question. I was going to say, that takes us to the question portion of the show. Of the Brav Bros, who would you throw off a wagon? You. I'd throw myself off. I would throw you off, too. But from Susan M. Flowers, who are you kicking off your wagon in any or all currently airing franchises? So Miami, Beverly Hills, Potomac. A lot. I'm throwing a lot of people off that wagon. You only get one. Only one? Yeah. Uh, man. Um. I don't even have to think about it. Uh, I don't. There's just so many. There's too many choices. Which Larsa, get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, Larsa, for sure. I'll go with a different answer, different franchise. I'm tossing Kyle off. Really? I'm annoyed. I'm so frustrated with Kyle. Interesting. Yeah, get off the wagon. I, don't, I actually don't even care about your separation anymore. Okay. All right. So I knew this was going to happen, too. Yeah, I figured it would happen to you eventually. You heartless bastard. I just don't care anymore. Um, Sue's Greg Brown. Shooter and steal. That's us. What color bonnets would you pick for yourselves? Kelly green. Yeah, Kelly green for Kelly sure. Kelly green all day. Kelly's red, maybe. Maybe maroon. Nah, I look good in the green. I said it last week. Powder blue. brings Oh, powder blue. That's nice. From Lulu Grams, was Monica actually the antagonist or was everyone else gaslighting her? <laughs> She was definitely being gaslit. She was, she was being, both are true. She was being yeah, gaslit, but be her true. behavior over the last couple of weeks, she kind of deserves what she gets. I don't know if she deserved that shit there. It wasn't that bad. 
the grand scheme of things, we've seen way it worse. It wasn't that bad until everyone else took Lisa's side without saying anything about Lisa. I don't. Well, yeah. Heather took Lisa's side actively. The rest of them were like quiet, which I hate. Which this is also is, a problem. You're on a reality TV show. Stop. Stop being quiet. Talk. Pick a side. From Pineapple Bex, not a question, but I think Heather sued Monica first, and she countersued. Oh, really? That'll be fun. Then they said, get Monica on. Should we have Monica on? Should we try to do that? We should probably get the answers before we decide. Uh, that's a good point. And we can get Monica on and just have her tell a story. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Thanks, Pineapple Bex. Thanks, Pineapple Bex. Let's do one more. From, oh, this is perfect. From Valu Iseau, 27. Sorry if I said that wrong. Do you find it difficult to critique Sutton and her behavior now that you've had her on your show? No. No. And we've had conversations with her about that where we've said, look, we love you, but if you're an idiot, we're going to call you an idiot. If we have anybody on the show and they have bad behavior on the show, we will rip them. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And um, that's all we got. Oh, no. I'll do this one. From Abigail West 21, where's the best cheesesteak in Philly? You got to go to Angelo's. Got to go to Angelo's. Angelo's is the best one. If you want the neighborhood vibe, uh, classic cheesesteak, go to Del Sandro's. But if you want the best one, it's it's Angelo's. I want to try Ishka Bibbles. I heard Ishka Bibbles is yeah, really I heard good. It's really There's good. a new one. Uh, oh, it's yeah. It's be good. Yeah. It's, um, Are you telling me this? I don't know if I did. I don't know. It's been a long week. I don't know. Yeah, but it's supposed to. It's, fuck, where was it? It's um, if you're going towards 30th Street Station. Whatever that road is, with JFK. JFK. Yeah. So oh. if you're on there, it's in that big building on your right with the apartments. Oh. Okay. Um, it's like in the lobby there. It's supposed to be. Phil told me about it. Okay. It's supposed to be bomb. All right. Cool. We'll let you know what I'm hungry. called. I'm starving. My stomach just gurgled. Yeah, we got some Chinese. <laughs> don't forget to check out our interview with Craig on Monday. It'll be out early in the morning, so you guys can check that out. And just stay up to date with the Brav Bros socials because we have a big announcement about a big thing we're doing potentially in a city just north of here called New York City. Hint, hint. We hinted about it earlier. Get the, just take the hint. Take the you hint. You know what we're saying. We can't say it yet because we haven't done some certain things. Some, just take the hint. All take, right? Take the hint. Get off my back. Uh, nobody's on your back. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, make sure you watch us on YouTube. Make sure you click that subscribe button. Really helps that. us out. What's our app? Bra Bros Podcast. Nice. Make sure you get on YouTube and follow us. That's huge. We're actually thinking about doing a little promotion to get our YouTube numbers up there. We so are. Once again, be on the lookout for Bra Bros stuff. Be on the lookout for Bra Bros stuff. The best way to do that is on our social media accounts at Bra underscore bros. That was the best plug I've ever done. You know why? Because you set it up. Because I let it off. You set it up, I knock it down. Hey, now. That's why we're so good together. Anything else? No Go birds. Rob Bros are out of here. Go birds. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.